Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Yes, you have to turn on the microphones before I can say anything. Details. <laughs> details, details. details. I'm anti Mark this morning. That's. <laughs> Mark is busy somewhere else doing something else. So I'm going to tell you that On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at www.sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line will be open shortly. We have a CBS News correspondent to talk to about today's big, exciting story. The government has reached another debt limit, $31.38 trillion. We're going to have a big celebration here, a ribbon-cutting and a cake-baking ceremony uh, to celebrate this tremendous achievement on the part of our spend Thrift Congress. Anyway, our toll-free line will be open at 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com, or you can text us at 70236. Be sure to include the keyword OTM. Text Connect members, just reply to a previous message or text us at 70236. And if you want me to continue, you're no, going to have to give good. me the material for the commercial. <laughs> more, we need more stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we uh, just got last-minute approval able to talk to Scott McFarland, so I transferred the message to Lynn Hall, our fabulous producer, so she's going to get him hooked up. Uh, talking about the debt limit. Yes, $31.38 trillion. I said while you were out the door that we should have a celebration, a party. Woo-hoo! I mean, this is a tremendous achievement on the part of our spendthrift <laughs> lunatic Congress. Just spending money, you know, let's print some more dough today, to, folks. Let's make some more money. All right, yeah, it's just fantastic uh, that we do that. And we're still playing Oh. Oops, I'm sorry. Wrong button. <laughs> what was that? We have a cheer. Oh, uh, a cheer. Well, that's not it. But that's not it. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. That's an announcement for 94K. But you know what's funny is I was saying to you before we went on the air, I can remember when it first crossed a trillion dollars. It was back when George Geekus was our congressman in the Reagan administration, and we were all appalled that it had crossed a trillion dollars. And George Geekus, who was our congressman at the time, says, we must do something to get this under control. All right. But he <laughs> said that happened. then. Uh, George was a good congressman. That was when we were passing budgets. So but deficits were part of the budget. Well, they, part of the it, budget, yes. Normal deficits have been part of the budget since George Washington. But we haven't had a budget in some time, an approved budget, right? Right. Yes. So, all right 30, well, $31.38 trillion. I mean, this is a, quite an achievement on the part of our Congress. On the news line, we have Scott McFarland. Farnan from CBS News. Thank you, sir. Thanks for making yourself available again this morning. Yes, Scott, thanks. Of course, it, this is a big deal, what yes. happens today, <laughs> and it's likely to impact the economy. It's just a matter of how much. Okay, well, let's let's start out. The debt ceiling just sounds like it's a silly cap. Every so often we have a big fight, we raise it. Sometimes we have a little fight and we raise it. Give us a sort of debt ceiling 101. Uh, Joe was kind enough to give us the first page of a primer, but uh, start to fill in the blanks here. What's the debt ceiling really all about, and why does it really make a difference? There's actually been some proposals to get rid of it altogether because all that is is a danger at this point. The nation's debt ceiling is $31.4 trillion. 
the U.S. is not empowered to incur any more debt than that singular dollar amount unless it's raised, which has to happen because effective today, the U.S. has reached the debt limit. It is $31.4 trillion in the hole. But it's not about future spending. That's what is needed to pay the bills already incurred, to pay the current expenses. It's like your credit card limit. It's not about buying new things, but you hit your credit card limit, you've got to start paying for all the things you've already bought. That's where the U.S. government is at this point. Beginning today, the Treasury Department will move some payments around, do some book shifting to give the Congress a few more months to raise the debt limit. They're going to stop some payments for some retirement funds, some pension funds. It wouldn't have any immediate impact on folks, and they'll make good on that in the future. But that's what will happen just to give a margin for error, give folks a few more months to raise the debt limit. There's really no alternative. But this is like a crazy kabuki dance we go through all the time. I mean, time after time after time. I can understand the argument saying get rid of it, but if you get rid of it, there's absolutely no check or balance on any of the spending and, and payment back, is there? Well, yes and no. I mean, this, is, no, this doesn't seem to be changing the trajectory of spending anyhow. I mean, they've raised this debt limit many times in our lifetimes. Every couple of years it has to happen, and spending continues as spending continues. Uh, but this is often conflated or confused for government spending bills. You know, in the fall, the Congress will decide how much money to spend on how many things, how much you know, debt to incur, or how much debt to not incur. Maybe pay down the deficit. That's a separate issue. This is just a ceiling for our credit limit. And whether or not Congress cuts spending, increases spending, this has got to be addressed. Because without this, there's a default which causes cataclysmic impacts on the U.S. economy. There are arguments that if you want to address the deficit, you can do so. But this issue here is just a risk and a peril to the U.S. economy that needn't exist. So what are their alternatives? I mean, you talked about temporary measures. Is there some definitive way to address this by, well, of course, eliminating the the limit would certainly take care of that, wouldn't it? Well, warning, this is where you're going bang your head into the steering wheel. This is the part of the conversation where that starts. Here's the thing. Democrats, including the Biden administration, say we don't negotiate over this. This is too um, radioactive. It's nitroglycerin. We can't be toying around with negotiations on this issue. It sets a dangerous precedent for future debt limits, and it could cause a cascading impact on the U.S. economy. Some number of House Republicans, who you'll recall, now have the majority in control of the U.S. House, who need to be part of this equation, say, we want to exact some concessions, because this $31.4 trillion is insane, and we need to do some cutbacks before we agree to raise the debt ceiling. This is where you want to bang your head into the steering wheel, because these two sides are talking right past each other. They're not even on the same wavelength. And here we are, on the day the debt limit is reached, and we are just weeks away from a potential catastrophe in the U.S. economy, and they're nowhere near each other. The last time we saw this was 2011 where we got real close, almost hours away from a breach of the debt limit, and there still was no deal, and it caused the U.S. credit rating to get reduced. It caused a shock to the stock market, and it was the same exact political complexion. Democrat in the White House, Democrats holding the Senate, and an emerging new House Republican majority. That's seemingly the political calculus in America. Isn't, isn't, the definition of insanity doing, isn't the definition of insanity yeah. doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> expecting a different result? <laughs> I would tell Republicans 
um, in the U.S. House one thing. Uh, they don't ask for my advice, but if, I, if they did, I would say last time this happened, House Republicans took a political hit for it. They got the blame. That If, if history is any indication, that might happen again. What happened in 2012 was President Obama sailed to a re-election victory uh, one year after having some political troubles, and House Republicans never really got themselves unearthed from the hole they dug on the debt ceiling. That's the same trajectory we're on politically now, and if history is any indication, that's where we're headed politically. All right, I don't want you to scare anybody, but define cataclysmic impact in the mind of Scott McFarlane. No, it is scary. And I, I mean, you're, you're talking about potentially the, the triggering of an immediate and deep recession, which could cost millions of jobs, if not tens of millions of jobs, um, a stock market collapse, which does, you know, what to 401ks and to people's you know, portfolios, um, the possibility of interest rates going through the roof. You want to buy a house? You want to buy a car? You think interest rates are high now? Wait do you see what happens when the debt ceiling is breached. And then the world economy takes a hit the likes of which we saw in 2008, if not worse. That's what happens. And that's why this has to get raised. There's no alternative. So until these two sides start talking, we are in a state of economic risk, and that's going to exist between now and June. What's the Biden administration looking for, Scott? Any particular number? You know, it's interesting. They're saying the same thing the Obama administration said. No coincidence, he was vice president for Barack Obama, that you don't negotiate over this. There is a time and place to talk about cutting the deficit. And the Biden administration takes credit for doing so recently, for cutting the deficit a bit. But this is not the thing. This is a loaded gun to somebody's head. It's not time to have friendly family meetings and conversations. We have to put the gun down first, then we can talk. That's what the Biden administration is arguing. But House Republicans have not shown a lot of flexibility since the start of January. You saw what happened with Kevin McCarthy and the speaker vote. This is a group that negotiates and presses hard, even when the outcome is uncertain. And that's the political reality of the moment. Is, is McFarland, I'm sorry, is, is um, McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy so seriously weakened that he can't get his conference to, to do something constructive here? I think this is part of the negotiations that he uh, managed to get in the speakership. He had made concessions to this group of House Republican conference members to do something during these debt ceiling negotiations. He didn't put it on paper. We haven't figured out exactly what yet. But this is part of that standoff that he tried to push back on the debt ceiling. Let's see how that plays out. Now, who are the VIPs going to be? We know President Biden will, of course, be part of it. It looks like Kevin McCarthy will be another one. But uh, the conference table will have about a half a dozen uh, people at it. Who are the rest? See, that's a good question, because there's no indication at this moment that Senate Republicans want anything to do with the standoff over the debt ceiling. No indication they're going to provide any cover or support for the House Republicans. I'm not saying it's impossible. There's just no indication of that yet. So this really does fall in the lap of House Republicans, singularly. Um, there is a possibility, um, perhaps the most practical possibility right now, is some coalition of Democrats and moderate Republicans get together and figure out an exit strategy, um, almost marginalizing the House Speaker and the House Freedom Caucus. There's a way to do that, and that's politically perilous, possibly, possibly for that group, but that could be how catastrophe is, is averted. But I got to tell you, last time this came up, Democrats had the U.S. House and received zero votes to raise the debt ceiling from Republicans. How eager are they to bail Republicans out of this problem? 
probably not very eager at all. But for the American people, you know, what the, the, the you mentioned serious or draconian consequences. What's if they do default? What is likely to be the most the first thing that the general public experiences? A, a market collapse. Um, you know, a stock market drop over multiple days, perhaps in you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of points each day in the Dow. Now that's a that's a Wall Street thing, but you know how you feel that eventually it does hit your portfolios, your retirement funds. Um, but more, I think, to the point of, of, of at the granular level for Americans, it starts you know talk, chipping away at the sturdiness of the economy, which leads to layoffs. It leads to interest rate hikes, it leads to uncertainty. And that's really where we are. We're at a time of uncertainty. One congresswoman from Virginia told me, the fact that we're having this conversation, that you're asking me questions about this, that's the risk. We're now talking about an uncertain moment, and that never helps the economy. It never helps the market to have uncertainty. You're making my uh, colleague here, Joe, nervous. He's a retiree, so I don't, I don't, he's a long zillionaire with 401. I'd like to be one eventually, <laughs> sooner than later. Right, well, it ain't always fun, Scott. <laughs> Joe, got out his, his, Joe got out his smartphone and looked at it when you said that. So uh, one last question. Anything else we're not asking? We're missing the big question. We didn't even ask the right question. Anything else that's really important to bring up here? Yeah, the, 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 these, the, the time clock starts now. It starts today. The Treasury Department is going to take some measures. It'll announce them today to buy Congress. Um, that t- clock ticks loudly and quickly, and there are no meaningful conversations underway right now. That's something to monitor as February and March do going. All right. Well, we'll stay in touch on this topic. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for it the is. information. You made us all very nervous, Scott, but thanks. <laughs> all right. Oh, he's gone. He, well, yeah, he's, he's got to give to another interview at, at, well, about a minute ago. All right. So we appreciate that. Scott McFarlane, a CBS congressional correspondent from, uh, well, from CBS, right. uh, from Washington, D.C., is where he is based. Uh, you can uh, follow up with questions. Uh, Joe's boned, on this, boned up on this topic, so he knows a tiny bit about it. So if you'd like to ask him a question or you want to comment it's on all the in fa- my head that makes me a bonehead right <laughs> i don't know what it makes you <laughs> makes you smarter than i am on this topic you know i just think okay so this is an incidental he's making me nervous so i'd like to retire someday too <laughs> all right 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number you can email us at on the mark at wkok.com or you can text us at 70236 and include the keyword otm you can comment about the debt ceiling issue in washington dc in harrisburg lower the standards for state jobs, just not necessarily requiring a college degree. Maybe that's the beginning of the end of the mandatory college for so many careers in the world today. So that happened when Josh Shapiro signed that particular executive order. Maybe you'd like to comment on that. Uh, his first day of administration. Anything else that uh, he's done? He's been a busy. He's been a little busy. Beaver. He's done in something Washington. really practical on the first day. What? Yeah, I really think that's that's a practical thing. Right. Experience has to count for something. If somebody's been in the job for a long period of time and they're capable of doing it, the fact that they don't have a sheepskin that says they're qualified is really immaterial. Well, and it's funny because uh, universities have been doing this for a long time. Initially, they too, as part uh, state universities, as part of their affiliation, but they slowly distanced that affiliation and stopped requiring PhDs for adjunct faculty, and it really right. opened up the colleges to good faculty. Some around here, you've you've helped at colleges. I've helped at colleges around here to pass on the things that we do know to the 
of students. So that was that was a big change. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. The issues of the day. It's an open phones a day on WDKOK's on the mark program. We'd love to hear from you. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Email us at on the mark at WDKOK dot com. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. mm, out of auto repair. All right, didn't take long, but I immediately opened the show with a false statement, and then no, Joe, you had me open it. Yeah, we, we had Joe <laughs> say a false statement. Uh, we're going to get rid of the uh, toll-free line. It costs on the mark quite a bit, and we don't actually need it because most folks make free long-distance calls today, either on their cell phones or landlines. So our telephone number from henceforth is five seven zero seven four three seven eight eight five. You may remember that that is the WKOK news line, and uh, we've used it uh, on those rare occasions when the toll-free line didn't work. But 570-743-7885 is our new telephone for WKOK's On the Mark and the Steve Jones Show. And it's always been uh, the hotline for the newsroom. All right, 570-743-7885. Stan, thanks for calling in. You're on the mark. Good morning. When's that number taking effect? Uh, I know. Supposedly. Or when are you getting rid of the 800? I uh, don't know. Maybe a couple of days, a couple of weeks, not sure. But in any event, let's everybody use the 743 number. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure so I program my phone right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, do it now. Do it now. <laughs> do it now. No, I'm talking to you right now. Anyways, so we got a scaremonger today on the phone first thing telling us that the world's going to end unless we increase our spending even more or it's at that limit what we're allowed to spend is that what i get what i gathered from that what, yes. what you should have gathered is that this has nothing to do with what spending is taking place this has to do with paying the bills for spending that already was authorized well then maybe we with... shouldn't spend what has been what you know increase <laughs> okay. the spending like we've been doing in the past right. couple well, you know what it says you know what it says on your, you know no, what it says no, on your no. currency on your bill it says backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government if we default yep. then it's not based on the full faith and credit of the United States government yeah well that's been a problem for years but uh, irregardless we'll have to wait and see but why not try and force some uh, spending cuts to get this limit taken care of. They got 6 months to work this out. I don't think they've got that long a time. They've got some time, but I don't think they have 6 months. Okay, well let's negotiate. All right, you know, not just hand it over, say, "Yep, you can spend a, a couple trillion more with no no penalty, you know, no problem. We can just spend it." And they'll they'll spend it because that's what they've always done. 
Well, you know, there, there's a story that I read this morning, and I'll just quote from it. It says, the U.S. national debt, which now exceeds $31.38 trillion, grew to its current level due to bipartisan spending by presidential administrations and congressional majorities from both sides of the aisle. Given the composition of Congress, it will take a degree of bipartisan compromise from the Republican House and Democratic Senate to deal with the debt limit before the extraordinary measures that the Treasury Department's going to take run out. Yep, and I don't disagree with any of that because both parties are fully responsible for what's going on right now. And it's time for both parties to pull their big boys' pants on and take care of the problem and not try and spend more money, which is what Joey just did. With Well, they all they both did, you know, especially in the Senate. I won't blame the Republicans in the House because I don't know if any of them voted for it. Maybe one or two did for their omnibus bill, you know, spending whatever the trillions were this past, you know, last month. So... Maybe it's time they pull in their big boy pants and girl pants and take care of the business the way it needs to be taken care of and stop spending money like, uh, I can't say it against like drunken sailors because it does them no good. You know, that's disparaging a drunken sailor. <laughs> At least they've worked for their money. But, uh, you know, that, that, it needs to end, and somehow, it, you know, they got they got to force their hand. I don't know what's going to come of it, and we'll have to wait and see. But that's not really why I called. Have oh. you seen what's going on? paid any attention to what's going on over there in Davos with the World Economic Forum? Just that it's happening. Haven't read too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I seen a clip of old Mr. John Kerry there, you know, and he's showing his arrogance again. A few words of his quote, beginning of it, he says, we, a select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us in our lives, can come together and talk about saving the planet. It's almost extraterrestrial in the way things are happening. Now, that's not exact 100% word for word, but it's real close to what he was saying. You catch any of the arrogance in that? You know, them people fly in there on their private jets, you know, thousands of them. And, and I, I seen this last night. They're not even landing in Davos because they don't. there is no airport in Davos. They're two-and-a-half-hour drive away if they drove it <laughs> in, in in, in gas-powered vehicles is where the airport is, okay? So they fly a 1,000 private jets into this airport, but they don't drive them because two and a half hours, that's a lot of their precious time used up. They fly them into Dovis on helicopters, and then, but that's not even in town. You know, they're a couple miles outside town. Then they have to load them into fuel, you know, gas-powered vehicles and drive them into town so that they can go to their conference and tell us how they're going to say how they're going to make everybody else suffer to save the world yeah one of the one of the pundits i heard talking about that this morning uh, had a very interesting take he said you know they're, they're saying this is a crisis and so you don't do things that make the crisis worse like flying in on private airplanes and doing all that gas guzzling stuff he said it's like giving a guy who's got a machete and is waving it around in a mall an axe before the police come just so we can do even yeah. more damage. You know, it's insanity and the arrogance of these people. And there's there's a clip floating around out there about Al Gore. He was just going off telling the oceans are boiling and the glaciers are disappearing yeah, right. and blah, 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 blah. I think he, he's the sea, sea levels are rising. It's insane. His talk obviously shows a man who's become unhinged. Well, yeah, and he's made millions upon millions of dollars lying to the world about what's happening. Well, okay. a lot of, a lot and, of and all these people, here's what. Here's my point. 
All these people, all these rich folk that are claiming that we need to do something about climate, you know, climate change and blah blah blah. They all have are rich. They all have seaside homes, and if the oceans were rising, they wouldn't have these homes, would they? Yeah, well, that's an interesting. So they you know, <laughs> that's, it's common sense. You know, you don't have a seaside home if you're if the ocean's going to rise within five years, ten years, whatever they've been telling us for the past forty years is going to happen. Because every ten or twelve years, the world's going to end, and it's still here. Well, has the relevance of this faded, though? You know, we we of course have many, many, many millions of people in the U.S. and billions around the world who just turn their nose up at these guys. You know, obviously the planet's still getting warmer. They've had lots of conversations about this in Davos. The Great Reset has not happened, and uh, good folks like Stan and Mark and Joe uh, continue to fight, uh, you know, to make sure that normal people can still have some relevance in this world. Does it really matter? Or is this Pardon? The problem is there's politicians going over there and buying into it. There's a Florida congresswoman, Salazar. She's saying over there we need to open the borders and give, well, not necessarily open the border, but we need to give dignity to 11 to 15 million illegals in this country, which means basically she wants to give them amnesty. I'm sorry, I'll give them the dignity of a plane flight back to where they came from instead of dropping them across the border and making them walk back. That's the dignity I'll show. All right. Okay? They don't belong here because they didn't ask to come here. They demanded to come here. There's a difference. All right. We got you, Stan. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks for calling in. Have a great one. Yeah, yep, bye. Much appreciated. All right. Talked about debt limit, now Davos, and uh, I don't know that much about it. I, I sincerely doubt its relevance in our lives today, but what do I know? Joe knows lots more about these kinds of things. So does Stan, and they both say this is uh, a big deal. Call us during the 9 a.m. hour, 570-743-7885 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com, or you can uh, new email Joe's Wrong at wkok.com. That comes right to the show. Or 70236, sorry, I slay me, 70236, include the keyword OTM. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Lynn Hall's our fabulous producer, super-duper co-host, conservative business uh, person as the CEO or CFO or whatever he was at the Sunbury Broadcasting Corp. AFL-CIO. Something, yeah, no, never a union. Always executive. Always keeping the people down, not raising them up that's like right. unions do. So right. that's Joe McGranahan across from me. I love to have my foot on the oppressor. Oppressed people. Uh, right. No <laughs> argument there. I'm glad you admit it. Admission is the first step. Shemoka, let's see. We'll do news headlines in a second. We have a new toll-free line, no. which is not going to be toll-free for everybody. <laughs> it is from your cell phone. 570-743-7885 is the number to participate today. 570-743-7885. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. We would love to hear from you today. Include the keyword OTM 
in your text. Sunbury Motor Company, our sponsor. Very brief news headlines here. A Shemokin couple's charged with injuring a three-year-old child last summer. Shemokin police have charged 36-year-old Randy Tabby and 35-year-old Mandy Cree. Cree's charged with failing to report suspected abuse. Tabby charged with neglecting and abusing the child. G.T. Thompson was in Shemokin Dam yesterday. Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce Membership and Workforce Director Zach Stotter says he was there to talk about issues associated with farming. Crop insurance come came up, says Zach. This past year, several farmers struggled with the drought and know that crop insurance is something that kind of very much protects them, and they want to make sure those protections are there in the future farm bill. And, of course, uh, G.T. Thompson, now the chair of the Agriculture Committee in Washington, D.C., says he is working on the farm bill. Now, thanks to the Shikolami Braves Foundation, Caring for Kids program at Shikolami School District has a $9,200 boost to help supply students with nutritious food on the weekends. The Brave Foundation had a check presentation this week. We talked about this. Governor Josh Shapiro says he wants to define what it means to be qualified for employment in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. In signing the first executive order of his new administration, Governor Josh Shapiro says a college degree will no longer be the primary requirement for most job openings with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. My view is if you're qualified for the job, then you should get the job here in Pennsylvania. Degree requirements that reward folks who pursue one of these paths while shutting out those who pursue others hurts us all. The order applies to about 65,000 jobs, roughly 92% of state government positions, with Governor Shapiro also directing the Office of Administration to conduct a review of the jobs that still call for a four-year degree, many of which are required by statute. I'm David Payne, News Radio 1070 WKOK. AP is reporting two decades after a teacher's aide was suspended for wearing a cross necklace at school, Pennsylvania lawmakers are looking to remove the provision in state law that bars educators from wearing religious garb while in the classroom. The state Senate approved the legislation 49 to 0 Wednesday. The measure now goes to the House. The bill would uphold a 2003 Pennsylvania federal court decision in which an Indiana county teacher was reinstated and provided back pay after she'd been suspended for refusing to remove her cross necklace. See, the Republicans can do something good in in Harrisburg. Today, Joe, you'll be happy to know that this is Gun Appreciation Day. Oh, really? Americans have more guns than any other country on the planet. We keep buying more, too. On average, there are 12 firearms per person in America. That makes us the only country with more civilian-owned guns than we have people. And finally, happy days are here again. The skies above are clear again. Let us sing a song of cheer again. Happy days are here. Inflation is slowing a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Joe didn't know why I wanted this song queued up. Another sign that inflation is slowing. The U.S. government says wholesale goods like lumber, farm equipment, building supplies, and computer parts cost only 6.2% more in December. They say that's good news. Oh, that's delightful. Only 6.2% more. Wow. (laughs) Joe's doing a fantastic job. We should really appreciate his efforts. 
and Joe Biden, of course. Right. Uh, it is actually good news since those things aren't going up by the 7 or 8 percent level anymore. The bad news is, though, everything by now is already super expensive and will only be about 5 percent more to next year than it is today. So, yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist, Joe. I did that just to irritate you. No, it doesn't irritate me. That's a good old song. Franklin Roosevelt used it for his campaign. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five doesn't work. Call five seven zero seven four three seven eight eight five is the telephone number to use. We got some callers lined up. Uh, Joseph from Milton, PA. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yes. Good morning. I was listening to John Kerry's speech also, and uh, I want to say something. <clears throat> Uh, a lot of people ain't, aren't going to believe this, but John Kerry and Al Gore are sounding the alarm. Now, for what reasons they are doing it, that may be something different. But they are sounding the alarm. You can't burn uh, billion, millions of barrels of oil a day in this earth, and plus the coal, plus the natural gas, plus the rainforest uh, are being burned off thousands of acres down in Brazil and not affect the climate. And you take uh, pictures. I've seen aerial pictures of Greenland and uh, like 10 years ago and now. And the ice pack has been melting away uh, very rapidly. And so you can't tell me there, there isn't global warming. There is global warming. Now, uh, plus you add maybe some volcanoes and some other uh, happenings. It's really going to get bad. And uh, now, again, I think these men and like a AOC... And with their Green New Deal, uh, they're doing it for other reasons, but they are sounding the alarm. And I don't think they, they should be mocked for doing that. And, and when I look at the Bible, and that's my root uh, source of information, <laughs> I see after the rapture in chapter 11 in Revelation, where he gives rewards to his servants, the prophets and the saints and all those that fear his name. And then it says, and should destroy them that destroyed the earth. So here, mankind is going to be destroyed for destroying the earth. So that tells me something. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, we should be involved. You use scripture, but what about just the, the idea of creation care? You know, we talk about that all the time in the Lutheran Church, this idea of taking great care of the earth. Yeah, I think you can make fun of the folks at Davos if you wish to. They certainly have a funny way to go about it. They could have easily, uh, you know, uh, fly in coats really to where they wanted to go and, and know, do what they I, thought I they needed to do and talk about climate and, you know, come up with some actions or compromises. But, of course, they all flew their private jets there. And uh, but uh, you know, uh, but you're right. It is an actual crisis. We're just making fun of the people, not the actual crisis. Yeah, and not only that, you read in, in Luke also it says that there'll be signs in the uh, sun, the moon, distress upon nation, uh, the seas and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear after looking after those things that are coming on the earth. And you're talking about tsunamis. I don't remember tsunamis uh, growing up, other than in the the last ones that we've seen here not too many years back. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I think I, th I think one of their main messages, if you're a climate denier, try to get on board. If you don't wish to conserve, you really don't have to. If everybody who uh, is smart enough, like yourself, to believe and to know and to recognize that the planet's getting warmer, that much is clear to everybody, and we are a factor, and even if we're not, we can certainly slow the warming, um, that that's a good idea. I, I, you know, that would be a central message, uh, whether, whether that gets through their arrogance or not. Like I 
kind of well, again, uh, when the Almighty created the earth and put Adam here, he said to take care of it. He was to take care of the earth, not to destroy it. Right. Not to uh, uh, recklessly abandon uh, precautions and, and things that, uh, you know, are causing different effects here on the earth, you know? Yep, yep. Well, I'm in rare agreement with Joseph from Milton, so thank you, sir, for calling in. Much appreciated. Oh, Joseph left. No need to say goodbye. Just hang up. Yeah, All right. You know, but you still you hear people like Al Gore. Uh, he said he he com- continued. We're still putting 162 million tons of greenhouse gas into every single day into the accumulate, uh, and the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. You buy that? No. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. One of our good listeners. To read the text in the lower right-hand corner, that says, relates Mark, to Mark, it makes many of us cringe when you say things like, obviously, the planet is getting warmer. Uh, satellite data disproves that assertion. 150 characters. So the person went over. They do have the word. Uh, send, D. <laughs> yeah, send another uh, uh, text with the rest of your sentence. I, I, I understand climate deniers is a, is a great. Uh, camp to be in, uh, and that's fine. I, I don't have any problem with that because fortunately, I don't deny the climate. There's climate every day. There are enough people, and you know, if if uh, it's like if if Joe went down to the Susquehanna River and said, "I no longer believe that water flows downhill," it's not going to matter. The water's going to keep flowing. If he tries to stop it, it won't happen. And fortunately, there's enough smart people around here to know that you stay out of downflowing water. Well, here's what else. want to go upstream. Let me just tell you what else Al said. He said, "That's what's boiling the ocean." creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees. He then latched onto the notion of a climate-induced refugee crisis, noting that the number of refugees is predicted to reach one billion in this century. He further blamed uh, authoritarianism on climate change as it has been a response to these climate migrations. I think he's right in some areas there. The idea that the atmospheric rivers were caused by climate change, we've had them before, right. and so I'm not quite sure that necessarily they can be attributed. To, but, I, I, again, I am hardly an expert. I did see uh, Joe Lundberg was out with some more tweets about this. He's but the more pressing thing concerned about for the this? United States of America is this trillion dollar debt limit. Oh, $31 trillion. Okay, <laughs> let's take it. Oh, well, let's do uh, We have a call. Did Dale go away? I think he did. There's Lance. I'm so. sorry, Dale. I did make you wait between segments here while we kind of reset things. Sorry about that. Call back ASAP. We'll put you on the air. ASAP, we'll take the break right now. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.
All right. Uh, one of our texters sends us a note. Says, "Did I hear you say there's 12 guns per citizen in the U.S.? Yeah. If I said that, that's not exactly correct. Uh, Americans have more guns than any other country on the planet. You did say there were more guns than people. Right. Well, that that much is true. On average, now there's 12 guns for every 10 citizens. Oh, okay. Right? So there's definitely one point. Uh, what? One point one two five. I think you did say there were 12 guns per citizen. I oh, yeah. Somebody okay. had a hell of a lot of guns. Right. I misspoke <laughs> there. CBS says. 12 firearms for every 10 Americans, men, women, and children at this time. We still have more guns than any other country, and we have more guns than people. So sorry if I <laughs> But missed. you didn't finish the rest of the text. Oh, said, okay. if that's the number, we're slacking. It should be much <laughs> higher. People there. need to exercise their constitutional right. To bear arms. Absolutely. I agree with the texter 100%. Now, please, folks, buy more guns. <laughs> um, let's see. Dale, you are on the mark. Sorry about the long wait before, and we lost you. Thanks for calling back. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, that old saying, kill the messenger, I think that's what we need to do. Because I tell you what, <laughs> it used to be greenhouse gases. Remember that? Then it was climate change. Then they came up with something that really good. It was called, Now it's called global warming. That's a good That's a good sales pitch. Then it used to be the flu, okay, because the flu killed more people in 71 and 83 than COVID did. Okay. Dale, you so forgot. They, Dale, you forgot. Dale, you forgot the ozone layer. COVID, okay? Dale, Dale, do you remember the ozone layer that was gonna? We were all gonna die of skin cancer. The hole. The yeah, hole in the so, ozone. I mean, everybody has an agenda. Your brain is a filter. People realize that's a filter for your spirit and your soul. They're clouding your filter up. That's what the messenger is doing. It's not the elected officials who are radical. It's the elected officials who listen to the media. That's the messenger. So Whoa, right now, okay. you know, there's a war on coal, right? I mean, there's a war on oil. I think there should be a war on snake oil because the <laughs> media is the one selling you snake oil. I mean, people's brains are all messed up. They're listening to Fox News, CNN. I mean, you're you're not cleaning your filter doing that. You're really not. Step they're right doing, up. What they're doing, snake oil. They're using ice pick and they're picking at your soul and your spirit when you do that. you got to get away from the media and just dab once every three weeks or two weeks. And just listen to the craziness. If you listen every day, you'll never hear the craziness. Because your filter's going to be... Well, Dale, what what do you think we are here? You're you're just a third-party messenger. I see. I mean... (laughs) We don't even qualify as the media, huh? And you're advocating for shooting the messenger? You do echo... Mark echoes a lot of this nonsense. I mean, Joe, you can give different angles, but... Yeah, but I mean, that's just... Have a war on snake oil. And then, then, you know, I think the messenger... Do you think the Kremlin is controlling the media? Who has more influence over the media? Mm, in our, in our I don't age? think it's the Kremlin. I'm sure it's China. I thought it was George China, Soros. China controlled, no, he gave China that up. China controlling our messaging? Come on. He's retired. Come on. All right, we got you, Dale. Thank I you, sir. You the CIA. It, they're, filled, they're clouding your filters. They're pulling a swindle on you. The CIA is. Gotcha. Where's the bar yep, association fit in here? Up, oh, darn! The pivotal question, and he missed it. I, I was sorry. I hate to tell him, but I'm working with the Bar Association now on their Judicial Review Commission. Well, that's <laughs> no coincidence, Messenger I'm, Boy. I'm, that's right. They give me my marching orders every day. They call me up and say, "This is a Bar Association. Here's what you say today on on the mark." <laughs> we want you to say. We want you to ask questions. So Scott McFarland asked him, "What's going to happen? What does cataclysmic Me. impact mean?" Right. All right, Lance, you're on the mark. Thank you so much for calling in. Hey there, why? You realize 50 years ago, the ice pack around Greenland was thickening, really, really thickening, 
and we were all worried about freezing to death. Yeah, you called us about 16 times now to tell us that. I understand that, but don't you think it bears reiteration? Well, the planet's getting warmer. We know this to be true. It certainly can be. Uh, probably that. that's why they make sure and they emphasize that climate change, that some things are getting warmer, significantly warmer, and some things are probably getting cooler somewhere. Yeah, and like I said, 50 years ago, it really was getting colder. You could uh, take it from about 1945 to then. And then we look back uh, a year without a summer, back around 1830. And then it got warmer, then it got colder. Has anything know. happened since then, since that popular mechanics article back in the 1950s? Has anything happened since then, or are we pretty much doing the same thing? Well, no, it's getting warmer now. It was getting colder then. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So you agree the planet's getting warmer? Well, Sure. I'm going to queue up Happy Days are here again. We got Lance, everybody. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, sure. I'm not. You can't deny that. And back in '73, you could not mm. deny that it was getting wasn't getting colder either. I think right? we got some deniers out there. Yeah, well, but anyway, that really wasn't why I started calling here. Okay. Well, okay. I realize uh, us gun owners are twice as safe as the people who imbibe alcohol. Twice Oops. as safe. If okay. you figure it now. We have 90 million gun owners, and there's 45,000 tragic deaths from uh, gunshot wounds, right? And if you think about it now, see, 60% of the entire population imbibes. Now we're talking kids that sip wine at uh, Passover, right down to the guy that's 10 o'clock in the morning sitting at the bar. Okay. Okay, we do that. And we have now... 192,000 deaths. That's about one death for every thousand people that imbibe. And it's one death for every 2,000 folks that own guns. And that is uh, those deaths that, what is 190,000, that's because of what? Well, everything. In other words, there's about 52,000 that's direct. You know, that's the fried livers and things like that. But then... The, uh, I like fried liver. Mm-hmm. Onions. I like liver Come on. and onions. Seriously. Anyway, please continue, Lance. Well, and just out today... So alcohol-related deaths, you're saying. You didn't say alcohol-related. Okay. Well, an alcohol-related death. Okay, right. thank you. All right, that's the key thing. direct, you know, in the body. And then all the other ones, you know, like, uh, you know, guy gets mad at the wife, and that's the end of things when he's drunk. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. And, and then he gets a gun, and then you get a loading, statistical crossover. Yeah. Well, just today, though, there was a, on the uh, news at the half hour, they talked about where they figured out that no amount of alcohol is good for you at all. What? That's I thought right. a glass of wine well, was good. St. Paul said, a little wine for thy stomach's sake. I know, but that was before they really realized what was going on. It's the only biblical quote quote Joe knows. (laughs) Well, it's the one I like best. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know. And was it saying wine, which makes glad the heart of a man, I believe. He didn't say anything about gun violence, though. (laughs) Uh, Well, he that lives by the sword shall die by it, something like that. But, uh, you know... He it does just a good seem funny to me that uh, everybody, you know, always poo-poos me about the alcohol. 
but I've seen so many of my friends that are no longer around that got that way because of alcohol. Gotcha. Well, it is. It's clearly more deadly. It's far more widely used than guns are. Well, the worst uh, thing that could happen is to give someone who's inebriated a firearm. (laughs) That's definitely a prescription for disaster. All right, there you go. That's true. Because, I mean, it kills the brain cells right off. Well, it'd be a triple demic. Firearms, alcohol, plus what? Anger, violence, driving. Oh, Who knows? I thought we were going to add another commodity like sex to the mix. Well, motorists <laughs> can be fatal, too. So. You talk about somebody killing their wife. Lance, thank you so much for calling in. You make perfect yeah. sense. We appreciate and it. And you're always so cheerful, Lance. Uh, you're just such a positive guy. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Well, it's true. Right. Hey, thanks for calling. He is a truth teller. Yeah, we'll thanks, give you Lance. that much. Appreciate your call. Right, Take thank care. Thank you, sir. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Got a couple of messages. Lower right-hand corner on the topic of climate. Right. It says, we so-called climate deniers believe in hard, data-driven scientific evidence. All right. Appreciate that. Uh, we should get uh, Joe Lundberg and Joe Bastardi back on the line. Remember, we were going to do that before the pandemic, and then they both uh, declined to visit. So, yeah, uh, Joe Lundberg, of course, a realistic individual, science-based person at AccuWeather, uh, does not believe that the climate's getting warmer. Joe Bastardi, of course, uh, from, believe it from Weather Bell, he's 100% certain that we are not getting warmer. Uh, I'm not sure if I could He's summarize their comments. Uh, don't know. He was wrestling and lifting weights, bodybuilding yeah, right. without steroids was his thing. So, you know, what drug-free Bastardi. Well, we'll have to give him a buzz. I'm sure he will be happy to call us. Shall uh, we dispense with these two emails, or are you taking a break? Uh, there's three now. Three, all right. Oh, all right. Uh, let's see. One of them says, let's see. According to your expert on this morning, we need to let everything as is and negotiate another time. We can negotiate right now. We have until July. Let me stop, please. I don't think Scott McFarland advocated for that. I think he was talking about somebody's position. Uh, right, he uh, was. President Biden's position. I don't think he has a f- position either way on this. She says, I I, uh, I guess we'll be watching who wants to negotiate and who doesn't. He also said back in 2011 uh, that it was the Republicans that lost out. Well, here we are today in 2023. $31 trillion in debt and with nothing to show for it and seems like it's still the Republicans' fault. To let it go this long, it's both their faults. My goodness. This is a sad situation. I think your expert was trying to take a middle road opinion, but still blame it on the Republicans. That seems that's what his message was this morning. I think there's two parties in charge. Okay, well, I, I think Scott made that point, don't you, that there were two parties involved? Right, I didn't catch the Republican lean, but uh, well, he just if you about are the, Republican, you might have heard it. He said the Republicans lost out the last time. Now, you could take mm-hmm. that as anti-Republican. He was just stating, really, Republicans did take it on the chin back in 2011. An observation as a congressional yeah. reporter. But in any way, note it. Uh, if, uh, if Scott McFarland has any kind of a lean, it would probably slightly liberal, I guess. But uh, I've never detected it, but our good listener did. So we appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Uh, This is new right here. Let me move this up. There you go. All right. Al Doomsday Gore has been predicting catastrophic effects on Earth for the past 20 years or so, and none of it comes close to happening. He's a total hypocritical idiot who's getting rich from traveling around in his jet predicting this garbage. But what's worse is that people keep listening and believing him. Climate does indeed change. It has been for all of the Earth's existence. It's called weather. We should take care of our environment, but to think that the man and can control the climate is just foolish. All right, says Doug. Thank you for that. Uh, there's one more if I can get there. All we right. go. Flash! <laughs> the climate is warming. 
Is it a crisis? Well, it seems it's the crisis du jour, at least. If the government would ever mind its own business, the human race will do what it is incredibly efficient at, adapting. Mm, yeah, well, and I think uh, we already have many, many climate refugees. We already have many uh, coastlines because oceans are getting... Who's a climate refugee? Where, uh, where are these people? People in the hottest parts of the world where oceans are going up and they don't have ways to adapt, no air conditioning. or uh, So where do these people, people go? Where, where are all these people? Well, I'll give you a good answer. Let me look it up. Uh, I don't have a list in front of me. I think of individuals in Central America as being among the people who say some of their people are climate refugees because of the warmer temperatures. Well, it's always been hot but, at the equator. Oh, is it? Okay. so But 10 degrees hotter now? Is it 10 degrees hotter no, I'm at the asking, equator? Yeah, I'm, I'm asking. They, they, I don't know how much hotter, but I know we're, it seems to be that some fraction of a term of a degree each year is what we're warming. Nope, these are all great questions. I think we should get uh, experts to answer them. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We will be right back. Uh, yeah, good question posed by somebody. I... I, I have trouble finding something that I would consider necessarily unbiased. Uh, there's NPR articles and all kinds of other articles by other people. Uh, National Geographic, I don't know if you think they have a liberal bent or not, that they say, uh, they wrote an article recently, the International Red Cross estimates that there's more environmental refugees than political refugees in the world right now. The UN High Commission for uh, for something says 36 million people were displaced by natural disasters in 2009, many of which were exacerbated by um, now, they climate count, change. Do they count the people from up north who go to Florida in the winter? <laughs> the, Are they climate refugees, the sun, What do they call them? Sunbirds? Sunbirds. Sunbirds snowbirds. Yeah. Actually, snowbirds. snowbirds. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, I'm sure they're not in there. But uh, they, they are climate refugees, are they not? They're fleeing the cold weather uh, of the north to go to the see. warmth of the sun. Globally, it's... Uh, well, I can't find the number now. I had it. Anyway, they say the l- state of Louisiana since 2000 loses about 65 square kilometer uh, kilo- square kilometers per year because of rising sea levels. Then they go around the world and talk about the rest. Yeah. So uh, Google what I did. Who are today's climate refugees? Uh, National Geographic is one of the articles that pops up. Interesting article. Much different than I thought it was. It's not just to climate change and climate warming, but it's environmental disruption that causes, because our whole planet is changing in the way that uh, some areas are warmer, and as our good listener pointed out, some are cooler. You've just heard an address by the Honorable Al Gore, former <laughs> Vice President of the United <laughs> no, States. No, I'm just telling you about an article. I didn't say anything is true in the article. You have to do your own fact-checking. Cindy, it's you're on the mark. I mean, people are more concerned about this than they are the debt ceiling. <laughs> Cindy, you're on the mark. Last week, Mark, good morning, gentlemen. Last week you asked me, what can the people of New York do about that uh, congressman, the big fat liar? And so I looked into this because my answer was recall. We should be able to remove people from office. If that were true, surely these kinds of things would uh, stop happening or happen with less frequency because you would not get to serve your term. Your people could remove you. So I looked into it for New York, and in New York, the only method of recall they have is the people can petition the court, and the court can decide whether or not to remove them. Mm. Oh, well, that would be interesting. The people have no right to recall in Pennsylvania. None. We're one of the few states we have no right to recall politicians in Pennsylvania. Once they lie to us and get elected, they're there for good. 
And once in New York, does it say what the judge will use as uh, which their, judge? Their the factor? Supreme Court of New York, or I think any it was appellate the Supreme court? court, if I recall. Ballotpedia had a article about it, a website that just has a lot. It's a very handy place for uh, just having non-biased information. They report the elections, and they had a whole thing about recall there. Many states have recall. Many states have citizen recall. You get enough signatures. Now, I saw, I recall this morning, like it was a 12% of the number of people who voted. If you got that many signatures, you could recall the candidate in a couple states. Um, but uh, And then it was interesting, while you could recall in one state only the governor, I forget which one can be recalled, no one else. <laughs> <laughs> Poor governor. Obviously, that's interesting. Re- recall, I mean, for, not recall, but remember, all of these rules are made by the legislature and signed by the governor. Ah, okay. Remember yeah, the, this. Yeah, so, the legislature <laughs> would never give out the saw to cut out the branch they're sitting on. There you go, Mark. <laughs> there you go. Now, the other thing, I listened, uh, we went out of town yesterday, so it got cut off, but I was listening to the um, interview with the uh, potential candidates for the Senate um, seat that's open here in my On district. sunrise, yeah, in the morning. Great job, by the way, Mark. Oh, thank you. And uh, I look for you, you mentioned at the end of Mr. Anderson's that he would be on, on the mark. Yeah, that's I now set for Thursday, next Thursday, the 26th. Oh, good. I look forward to that. But, you know, I have called in on more than one occasion to say that the elections are rigged in Pennsylvania, and it seemed to me that that's pretty much what he was saying. He did not use the word rigged, but that the for these special elections, there is no process in place to let a third-party candidate on the ballot. It's just assumed that only the Democrats and the Republicans will divide the spoils. See, I... This is, to me, that's an example of rigging it. And why would they put that in place? And now they have essentially barred him from the ballot over what I consider to be nonsense. They already had, for two different elections, his statement of financial interest. So they're at the state level. And yet they claimed they had to have a third one for the same year. I mean, that's just... Well, yeah, and, and the other aspect of this is that until it's adjudicated, he can't get on the Department of State website. So even though he is an announced, well, hopefully a ballot candidate, but all, already an announced write-in candidate and has filed paperwork and hopes to be on the, you know, on people's minds when they go to the ballots, the Department of State can't include him on their website. So you won't see his name at Ballotpedia, even though he has a bona fide active campaign, you but know, with financing and paper. On the other hand, that kind of thing. if you you do have to file a new financial interest statement every time you run. If he ran before and he filed one, he has to file one now. Right. If he's holding an office or if he's like a township supervisor or a member of a planning commission somewhere, he has to file one every year. He missed it. Well, and he'll talk he about did. it when he's he here. He filed two. He filed two because he actually ran for office three times. He filed two of them already. This but is that the doesn't. Third time. That doesn't matter. Each one, each separate thing he does, requires a separate financial statement, and it has to be on file you know, at different places. Cindy, it isn't always at the same place. Well, I I find this to be yet another bit of bureaucratic nonsense put into place. You don't see that anywhere in the Constitution. This is just more of an effort to to block people from third parties from not not the ones chosen by the sacred few from the ballot. I mean, let's be honest. He may have very little chance at all of being elected. 
So what is the motive for barring him from being on the ballot? Well, he, you might think that a libertarian, he's a libertarian, would attract Republican votes, right? And since then they fear, this is my perception, not their stated case, that they might, he might pull votes away from the Republican candidate, just like they drove Nader off the ballot because they feared that Ralph Nader would draw away voters from the Democrat candidate. And this is how they uh, twist the election. It, what they, you know, schoolhouse rock, not so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, there you we go. We tell our children this stuff. Oh, not so much. Yeah, democracy <laughs> is, of, is sort the, of. democracy is the last thing we're running here. Right. In and of itself, the very fact that there was no process in place for a third-party candidate to be part of a special election, I find very disturbing. They have special elections all the time. Why have they not put that into place? If they were going to worry about these things, they should have worried about them when when they created the rules for the R's and the D's. But no, they just eliminated, never gave an open door to people from other parties, whether they be libertarians or greens or constitutionalists or even independents, right? right. That's just wrong. That's just rigging, in my, in my opinion, this rigs the election against other people, makes sure that the R's and the D's retain control. All right. We got you, Cindy. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks. Much appreciated, yes. So we will have uh, next week. Linda Schlegel-Culver's already been on, on the mark talking about her Republican campaign for state Senate. Uh, Tuesday, Patricia Lawton will be here, the Democratic candidate for state Senate in the 27th District in the special election January 31st. And on Thursday, Thomas Anderson, who's a bona fide candidate, just not on the ballot. He's trying to get on the ballot through the courts. Most of the ballots are already printed. I'm not sure how counties will adapt to that, but that's his interest. I have a mail-in ballot and he's not on it. And uh, also, uh, he'll be here on on the mark Thursday at 8.30 p.m. or 8.30 a.m. in person. All right, we've got a new toll-free line, 1-800-795-9565. Not working, so uh, forever. Uh, please use 570-743-7885. That's 570-743-7885. Uh, two texts related to climate. Uh, we do have a desk announcer here, but he's reading something else, so I'll read it. I, I'm sorry. I was just looking to see, see if there... I was Googling whether or not there were specific qualifications for getting on the ballot in a special Well, election. there are, and he said he did them. He might have missed the financial thing by 15 minutes or said he got in before 4.30, but uh, not in time okay. for somebody to be there, so he'll, he'll explain that when he okay. comes in. We're always told climate is not weather, yet climate alarmists cite the weather unless it undermines their argument. I don't, I don't think we really do talk about the weather. I don't think ocean levels are impacted by weather. And I don't think that... I, I, I may be wrong on yes, this. If it rains a lot, they go up. Uh, well, but <laughs> the... Uh what are they, the climate rivers or the, in California lately, what were they right. called? Uh, the river streams or whatever they're called. Uh, different Apocalyptic, experts, says Al Gore. Uh, uh, well, different individuals have said that they're actually not climate related. There's a cyclical situation where, you know, one weather pattern creates this. My daughter's out there, and uh, she tells us that this happens X number of years, you know, over and over. 
you know, every so often, like 30 years or so. All right, 1-800-795-9565. The climate fear mongers want to scrub CO2 from the atmosphere. I guess they want all the plants to die. Plants die, all life dies. Yeah, that's it. All right, thank you. Yeah. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Mike's the last caller before a quickie break. Oh, I think I just gave out the wrong number. It's 570-743-7885. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, th- I think I may have even called the uh, 800 number. Yeah, I'm sure, they, sure. I'm sure Kevin didn't turn it off yet, but he's going to in the days ahead. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Hey, uh, just a, I actually want to talk about something else, but I caught, I believe it was Cindy speaking about, uh, you know, third-party candidates in this election and not being not allowed or put out or whatever. <clears throat> well, one of the things that uh, is becoming prevalent is what they call ranked choice voting, Okay. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it, to me it's a convoluted process where uh, you rank the people on the ballot. And I think in New York there was, what, eight or nine people running for mayor, and they go through this process of knocking out people at the bottom of the list, and then their votes their votes go to someone else, which to me is, is ludicrous. And, and, I, and I just want to say, and again, you know, I'm a <clears throat> right-wing uh, partisan, uh, what, I guess white supremacist, MAGA, uh, all those names, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm all those things, and I have my, ba- my mail-in ballot, so I guess that makes me a little bit of an anomaly. But my point is this, if you vote for a person, that vote should not be given to someone else based on this ranked choice voting. And that is just another tool that I, I believe the politicians are using to, to protect their power. And and I think probably that's what's happening here in this particular local election uh, coming up. And it, it's being done all over. And I think it violates one person, one vote. And that's all I want to say about that. But in the past, I, I spoke to you guys about a book called uh, Men Without Work. And it came out uh, before the pandemic, and then they did a revision to take in the changes that they have seen since the pandemic started. And what that book talks about is particularly men between the ages of 24 and 55 who are not in the workforce, okay? And they're not unemployed, they're just not working, and they're surviving one way or another. Well, I was listening to Monica Crawley the other day, and she said that that number has increased dramatically to almost 10% of people not just males, but people in the workforce between ages 24 and 55. So, what, you know, essentially one out of 10 working age people are not working for one reason or another in, in, in surviving. And when we bring in millions of people from the southern border that don't speak English, that aren't readily available to fulfill the particular jobs that we're in need of right now, they have to survive somehow and to me it stands the reason that they will join you know many of them will join the ranks of men and women without work and you know we, we talk about individual things that are happening uh, in our, our society and our politics but I think we really need to start focusing more on trends trends that are happening in in this culture and I guess that comes down to the culture wars is what, you know, what they would say. I'm involved in the culture war right now because I'm trying to address what I think is a significant problem for the future of this country. I thought you might be and, more interested in the debt ceiling that we have today than rather than people who are out of work at the moment. 
Well, absolutely, the debt ceiling is, a, is another one of my things, and it's not so much the ceiling, it's the amount of debt and what it eventually is going to do with the value of our currency. And, you know, we all know what's coming there, because all of us uh, right now in this conversation are old enough to remember what a penny used to buy, and now people won't even bend over to pick up a penny because it's so worthless. And pretty soon, we're going to be seeing that with the dollar. The dollar's going to be laying on the ground. They're going to be walking by that, too. But actually, what makes it even more interesting is that the penny costs more than a penny to manufacture. And, and yet we still make, make them. them. <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of borders on insanity, in a way. <laughs> in a manner of speaking, yeah. We need to go back to the two-cent piece. And we did have three-cent pieces at one point in our American history, so... It would probably cost three cents to that make That was back when the piece. stamp was three cents. That's why they created a three-cent... Oh, <laughs> a three-cent stamp would go back to, what, 1962 no, or something? No, back in the 18... Well, I mean, it was the, the first one was in the 1860s. Oh, wow. Okay. What do you know about stamps? <laughs> Nothing. No. <laughs> I know hey, what they before, cost. <laughs> before I go here, i got to just tell you a, a funny... I don't know if it's funny or what, but it's interesting. It's a, it's a story uh, about a... Uh, an old farmhouse it's out out you guys' way i'm in bloomsburg so i'm looking uh west right now it's out past you guys a little bit this farmhouse it's currently unoccupied but it used to be filled with all kinds of things and it was owned by a uh, i don't know if it was an amish family or exactly what it was but it was you know a self you know they were self-sustaining people on a farm bottom line is they did canning and they used silver dollars to to prevent the stuff that they were canning from getting uh, bacteria growth in it. For, I guess there's something to do with the silver. And they would throw the, once they used them, they would throw them in this five-gallon bucket. And when they when the uh, descendants had to sell everything in the house, they came upon a five-gallon bucket full of silver dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, what some of those uh, liberals out there that are really good in math and, and understand the debt and everything, maybe they could tell me how much a five-gallon bucket full of silver dollars would actually be worth. Because I guess, what, silver is close to 20 bucks an ounce right now. And I think there's three-quarters of an ounce of silver in a silver dollar. So I, I wouldn't want to try to pick that darn thing up, but I would try if they said, if you can pick it up, you can have it. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> silver dollars command a premium over and above the value of the silver. All right, we got you, Mike. Thank you so much for okay. good information across the Take board. Care. Yeah, I'm looking at Wikipedia. They show the uh, price of stamps went up to three cents in 1932 for a first class stamp, and then went up to four cents in 1958, and then five cents in 1963, six cents in 68, eight cents in. Oh, now we had a double cent increase in 1971. I, I remember the penny postcard. When do you think stamps went up to twenty cents a stamp? probably in the 80s. 81. Good yeah. for you. Good guesser. All right. Stand by, Jim. We're going to be with you in a minute. one 800 Not working. 570-743-7885. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars. Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair. All right, welcome back. Hey, I want to talk to you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Oh, it's a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15. Uh, find out more about them at sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. That's where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspections, NO2 for your tires, and they are open Monday through Friday, uh, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Do what I've done. Go to sunburymotors.com. Look at your next Kia that you want to own or a Hyundai or a Ford. I just looked up a Kia Telluride, and yep, there's a short waiting list, just as I suspected, but they'll order you one up. It'll be perfect. Talk to Tony, and he'll get you hooked up. Or you can see Alphonse or Jason or Chris or Kyle or Ernie or Austin, and they will hook you up at the Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. Jim, you are on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. Good morning. Uh, Yes, Sunbury Motors is a quality company. Um, It was so cold this weekend that I saw an IRS agent with his hands in his own pocket. Anyway. I remember that. Um, yeah, people say that about politicians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, this election coming up, um, it's, it's uh, important. It's very important. A special and election? Linda Culver, or Linda Schlegel Culver, is a wonderful woman. If you talk to the people out in Hickory Corners and uh, the west end of, uh, of Northumberland County, they'll tell you how good a job she's done for them in the past her and uh, her you there yep you got to wrap up go ahead okay gotta go bye all right call tomorrow yep call yep. tomorrow we'll have open phones friday john shipman is going to be here tomorrow good conservative oh, good say hi to john for me and uh business person and family man and uh, davos skeptic climate skeptic so we'll get a different this is WKOK, Sunbury, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you have been listening on the mark. This is WKOK, Sunbury.